You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Longhorns Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow Cammy, the firecracker, and Cammy and G. Follow the show, Locked On Horns. We are back on a Tuesday. Cammy's back on a Tuesday. I hope you're rested after watching six hours of football on Monday night. Uh, are, are you ready to, to dive into this today, Cammy? Are you ready to get back into get back on the saddle and, and get ready to roll? Oh, I'm ready to get back on the saddle. It's kind of frustrating having those bye weeks, or I guess as many bye weeks due to the COVID-19 schedule, but um, I'm ready to get back into it. It's technically a game week heading up to Baylor, so we have plenty to talk about, but I will mention that it was fun having a multiple Monday night uh, football games going on, so uh, I kind of like the difference, and I know last week there was a Tuesday night game, so I kind of like the difference in the scheduling with the NFL so far. I think the only positive of COVID-19 in 2020 has been, you know, extra football games on a Monday night where they have a double header, a Tuesday night, like you said, you know, multiple, you know, maybe they take away a Thursday night game and move it to Monday like they did. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. You know, it's, it's more football to me. I mean, I, I think it helps because I think the national viewership get to see games that maybe they wouldn't have gotten to see uh, because they're putting these games in a different slot. So, you know, mm-hmm. those, those are fun. Uh, but we're going to dive right into it. Uh, Jordan Whittington, I talked about it yesterday on the show. If you didn't hear, uh, late on Sunday night, got the news. Jordan Whittington was hurt. Uh, he's dealing with a hip flexor injury is what uh, was the word from Tom Herman. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, Kane. My first thought was that he re-aggravated that sports hernia. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, but... The more I think about all of his injuries, because we, we talk about how he can't stay healthy, I'm pretty sure uh, in fall camp it was something else. Was it the hip flexor or the hamstring? One of those two, but it's always been uh, something around the hip or hamstring or knee. So uh, <laughs> it was a good bet to bet on any of those. But, yeah, that's unfortunate because obviously he just came back from that uh, knee scope. And so I was figuring maybe something happened with that. But, uh, yeah, hip flexor um, – I guess that's kind of fragile too, almost like a hamstring injury that we talked about with Jake Smith. So both of them have those lingering fragile injuries that are kind of tricky to deal with as the season progresses. So now we have the big question, Cammy. Will a slot wide receiver please stand up? Uh, we have Jordan Winnington injured out two to three weeks. The great thing, Tom Herman said, no surgery. Uh, so that, that's a positive, meaning that they expect him back in two to three weeks, which – would put him back just in time to play Iowa State when they come off their next bye week, most likely. Right. Uh, and then you have Jake Smith with the lingering hamstring injury. He's played one game this year, essentially. Yeah, he's played one game. And so that slot position was uh, uh, a position that we expected a lot out of. I mean, going back to prior, Devin DuVernay, little Jordan Humphrey, you know, we were expecting that these guys are going to be that next line. And so, and so now where do you, where do you turn? I mean, if Jake can't go on Saturday against Baylor, where, where do you turn uh, with that position? 
Well, I think availability trumps ability every day of the week. And I, I thought that was a great comment on one of the Facebook posts recently about Jordan Whittington's injury um, because it's true. And I think they do have talent within that wide receiver room. We saw what they did against Texas Tech. Uh, they got by with a schooler and money uh, in the slot there. And I think they did okay. But uh, I don't know. It's just tough because heading into the season and even previous season, we saw what Devin DuVernay was able to do in slot. That's kind of been their sweet spot. And so it's obviously critical to have someone stand up there or I guess step up there. So, uh, but like I said, you have to be available each week. It's hard to just come in without playing a game for a few weeks and step right in and play some quality football. We saw Jake Smith obviously have an unusual drop in his first game back against TCU. So a lot goes into it, but I mean, where do you look? I guess you still have the school or money um, and they have some experience there obviously with Texas Tech. So I don't know, you could always uh, swap one of the outside wide receivers in there, but uh, I think they're more likely to go with the school or money combo again. Yeah. And so that was, that was the question was, do you go with schooler? Uh, do you go with Kai money again? Uh, do you look at maybe getting a Kelvante Dixon uh, in the mix at slot receiver? Do you give Bijan Robinson more snaps at wide receiver just, you know, to get him on the field and get him, I mean, he's probably their best receiver out of the running back room, but obviously you have issues with, the injuries to to uh, Roshan, totally slipped my mind there. But you know, we have Roshan, so you know that that's mm-hmm. a big question there. Well, you know, what do we do there? Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it, just because you kind of have to uh, find your. I mean, essentially, you have to get your best athletes on the field, right? And I don't think Bijan Robinson is getting enough playing time, and we know he's obviously a a great pass catcher. We know uh, even Roshan is, but he's more of the uh, um, I wouldn't say as quick as Bijan uh, would be in the slot, slot, and I think they really need Roshan uh, to run the rock consistently for them due to the ball security issues with uh, Ingram. So I think, yeah, I think either Roshan or Bijan could handle that job if needed, but I think that's more of a desperate route to take. I don't think they need to take that route yet just because uh, schooler and decent, I mean, schooler and money did decent against Texas Tech, which we saw. So I think they'll probably try that out first. And if they have any issues or problems or someone's not performing well or it's a major drop off, I think that's when they'll go and look at uh, Bijan and players like that from other positions. But uh, right now, I think I feel pretty confident in those two. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's where you have to go with, with schooler, with, with kind money. Um, and then hopefully Jake can go because obviously Jake's the best of the group. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, we saw what he could do last year when he was healthy. Um, second on the team in touchdowns with six, tied with uh, Brennan Eagles. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, the the slot receiver position is one that I think needs to get fixed and needs to get fixed in a hurry uh, because right now you're, you're not seeing it. Um, you know, in, in the interesting part, if you go and look at the numbers of who has the most receptions on the team, clearly it's it's – Joshua Moore at number one, and then your number two receiver in terms of receptions, Jordan Whittington. He's played one game, you know, ten receptions. You know, he has twelve total, but he had ten in that game. So, you know, that that's I think that's that's worrisome. Um, I think, you know, I think they need to have more receptions. So I need the the drops to mm-hmm. work themselves out. I need Sam Ellinger to be more accurate throwing down the field. You know, when he goes beyond ten yards. You know, so those are the things that I think need to get worked out. Well, let's talk about Baylor real quick. Uh, Morgan Uber of Big 12 Conference 
uh, reported that Dave Aranda stated no new COVID-19 cases. So it sounds like it's a positive step towards Texas and Baylor playing on Saturday. Yeah, I definitely think it is. And they mentioned a few days ago that uh, their primary goal this entire period was to uh, go back to scheduled football-related activities uh, this past weekend. And so I think everything's kind of on schedule for them. Um, It's great news that there's zero uh, new positive tests and things like that. So I, I do think they'll move forward and play that game, and which is which is fortunate for Texas because I'm sure they're clawing at the bit trying to get back on track. Yeah, I think if they want to get back on the field, uh, I think they're tired of hearing the conversations. They're probably tired of the fan base talking about it. They're probably tired of us talking about it. Uh, the fact that they lost two straight, they need this football game. Uh, Baylor coming in at one and one. Uh, Texas, obviously, at two and two. So somebody's going to drop to below 500 for the first time this year. Uh, is this a must-win game, Cammie? Um, By far. I think Oklahoma was a must-win game. So I don't know what you want to call this one, but I think they pretty much have to run the table for any Big 12 title shot. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into my top 10 most annoying fan bases. We're going to see if Cammie agrees on any of them. I'm sure that we agree on a few. <laughs> Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Urban Meyer. Now that Kami's back, we're going to go over some of the things that I talked about on Longhorns Wire. We're going to get into that. But first, I want to tell you about Rock Auto. I think you got to check rockauto.com out. Check out their 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 lineup, their supplies list. I mean, you type in your name, your, mo- your model the, of, of your car, and you get everything right there. There's no going into the store. There's no standing at the counter and, and – talking with them about what parts you need and and the pricing that they're going to try and put you on. Obviously they're going to try to sell who's marketing with them. Uh, So head on over to rockauto.com. Like I said, type in your make, your model, everything that you're going to need all at your fingertips, quick, easy. It's affordable. I've used them personally. They put an oil pump on my truck. I've used them for taillights. I've used it for headlights for my truck. They're fantastic. So head on over to rockauto.com. And when you uh, check out, tell them Locked on Longhorn sent you. I don't know about you, Cammie, but when it's football season and uh, and it seems like we're go, go, go all the time, sometimes I need to chill out. And when I need <laughs> to chill, I reach into my fridge and I get that Coors Light. No matter the sport, no matter the team, when I need to chill out, relax, watch some football, watch some basketball, you got the World Series coming up. What are you going to do? You're going to reach into your fridge and get that cold, refreshing Coors Light. Absolutely. That mountain cold refreshment. This is the only beer made to chill. Cold lagered, cold filtered, cold packaged. Is there any way to enjoy a football game, a sporting event without a Coors Light? It's not possible. You got to check it out. As always, just remember celebrate responsibly with the beer from Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. Made right there in the Rockies. But when you need your Coors Light, go to get.coorslight.com and get that Coors Light delivered right to your front door. You don't even have to go out. If you're running low, just head on to your computer and get your cold Coors Light. It is perfect for you. Let's go. Jamie, let's talk annoying fan bases. Oh, that's when you talk fun. about a 
when you talk about annoying fan bases, what's the first team you what you think of? I mean, as uh, biased towards Texas, the most annoying I think of is Oklahoma. But I don't necessarily think that's what everyone else or every other program believes. So uh, that's kind of a minimalized picture. But uh, in terms of the major programs, I think a lot of, well, I wouldn't say annoying fan bases, but I think a lot of people think Texas has an annoying fan base. Uh, all right. So I'm just going to run you through my number six through 10 first, and then we'll get to my top five in a moment. Okay. Uh, so let's kick it off here. Number 10, I got Miami Hurricanes. The reason why I put them on this list is, is a lot of the reasons why I have a lot of the other guys on this list. We're talking uh, teams that haven't been in the, in the national contention in a while, but their fans constantly want to talk about the heydays. You right. know, so they're a team that I look at and think, you know what? They're one of them. Uh, who else we got here? Number nine, Cammy. You ready for this one? Central Florida Golden Knights. Really? The self-proclaimed I... national champions. Oh, okay. That makes sense why they made that top ten. That was pretty annoying. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, yeah, I mean, yeah, they were undefeated, but you know, they weren't in national contention. Why? Because they're not a power five program. Right. Whether you agree with it or not, unless you're a power five or one of the top independents, like a Notre Dame, maybe a BYU, if, if they can win enough football games to be in contention. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, the, the group of five, just they're not going to be in contention unless the power five is struggling and they have a really good season. Right. So a team like Central Florida – Probably not going to happen. They had their shot this year with COVID-19 affecting football, but guess what? They lost to Memphis, so I think they're out of it. Uh, number eight is USC for obviously good reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, they're another one of those fan bases that talk a lot about their heyday. Or Let me remind you, they've won their conference once since 2008. Wow, yeah, and they're just a big-time program and had a lot of success in the past, and so I I think that's kind of carried over. And you could argue the same with Texas. So I, I understand why USC is up there. Uh, number seven, Oklahoma Sooners. Okay. Here's my reasoning for it. Obviously, we do it with a Texas twist right here on the Locked on Longhorns podcast. <laughs> but let me just tell you my reasoning. Yes, they have won the conference every year since what? 2015, 2014. They win it every year. They're in contention for the playoff every year. But the way that their fans talk about their football team, you would think that their last national championship came since the last Texas national championship. And the fact that it hasn't. So really, when I look at that, at that fan base and constantly, if you mention anything about Texas, they're going to hop in. So that's why I'm like, y'all. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and I think just because they've kind of made the college football playoff uh, for several years, I, they're not really doing anything there, but I think they think that's an accomplishment to them when uh, really got to do something when you get there, you know, uh, but they have won the conference, uh, what, five or six, I think they're, this would be six maybe, or am I off by one, something like that, consecutive years in a row. So, I mean, they have done enough to, I guess, be that annoying bragging fan base within the Big 12, but uh, that's about it to me. All right, so number six here, Cammie, I got Texas A&M as my number six team with the annoying fans. Yeah, that's actually a 
<laughs> I mean, I could argue that's probably a top five for me just because um, they kind of are the little brother to Texas in a way is what I feel like that fan base sounds like. So They've always been. Yeah. So it's just constant back and forth between who's the better team or the better program in Texas. And I think everyone knows it really is the Texas Longhorns. And I think they have more accomplishments that prove that. But uh, if you talk to a Texas A&M fan, that's not what they believe. So I think they're overhyped, no. overhyped each year. Yeah, this, and this is what I said. Texas A&M will sit there and tell you they're better and harp SEC, SEC, SEC all the while they've done nothing to add to the greatness that is the South. Don't get me wrong. They've won a national championship how many years in a row? How many years in a row are they in the national championship game? 18 from the SEC. But A&M has never been a part of this. The best they did was in their Johnny Manziel years when they went to the Cotton Bowl and defeated Oklahoma. Which Yeah, I agree with that. That's about it. Uh, so I'm going to run through my top five real quick, and then we'll get to you know what you think it is. Number five, Michigan. I've won a national championship since 1997, yet they're always in the national conversation each and every year. I think they're the Midwest counterpart to the Texas Longhorns, who I have at number four. Again, it's not to say that the whole fan base is terrible, but there's always that group, and people always associate the entire fan base with that group. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'm talking about. Every year, it's Texas year. They're back. Um, Preseason hype is at an all-time high, but it never, they always fall, always, you know, so I had them at number four. you agree with that? Yeah, I honestly would probably put them within the top three of my particular list, just because, like you mentioned, they're constantly overhyped and their expectations are high and everyone knows how much uh, booster money they have out there and uh, how much money that football program brings in for that university and I think they are one of the powerhouse programs within college football and they just don't produce each year so I think that has fans um, and we're obviously biased to Texas but uh, we have to tell some people to just stop talking sometimes as well because they're either they're either overhyped or people are freaking out there's really no in between uh, so there's no mediocre seasons at Texas, you could say. So I would probably put them within my top three. Uh, top three, we're going to run through it. Notre Dame, again, team that hasn't, you know, they've been in the college football playoff, yes, they didn't do very well. Uh, obviously didn't win a national championship. And it kind of feels like going back to the 90s when Rudy was the movie, <laughs> seems like the last time they, they were nationally relevant. And, and obviously you have the conversation each year, should they join a conference? You know, so I think people get tired of hearing that as well. So to me, that makes them an annoying comment, uh, annoying thing. Uh, number two is Ohio State. Uh, obviously, they're they're a team that has done well. Don't get me wrong, Matt, you mm-hmm. know, in the college football playoff, year in and year out. But let me just say it: they haven't won since 2015. And it, and I and I added them for this very reason. That number two was this year when we weren't sure Big Ten was going to play football. A lot of Ohio State fans came out and said, well, they need to put an asterisk on the college football playoff because it's, it's not going to hold much weight because we're not playing. Right. To which I had to remind them, Big Ten and Ohio State hasn't won a national championship in five years. They haven't been a part of the national championship game. So uh, calm down. You're not as great as you think you are. Yeah, I think a lot of I think a lot, I just want to add in of the annoyance and I guess hype with Ohio State is they have had that success. I think primarily 
maybe back in the Urban Meyer days and things like that, or small successes, you could even say at times. So uh, that kind of is what uh, made me always pick against them when they were playing someone, kind of like how people do again or with Alabama right now. So, yeah, I, I def- definitely agree with you putting them at number two. And obviously my number one team is Alabama. Uh, while they do have all the success, and Nick Saban's a fantastic coach, don't get me wrong, uh, and I put them at number one for, yes, they do well, and their team does well each and every year, and nine times out of ten, they're going to be part of the national championship picture. Uh, I think it's just the pure arrogance of their fan base is really what's important. You know, it, it's always always about Alabama. And, you know, guys like on ESPN with Paul Feinbaum don't make it any easier. That's all they ever want to talk about is Alabama. So that's yeah. why they're my number one. So uh, just kind of your thought, your top five, or any feedback you have on that one? I like your general consensus of the top five. I probably would just have them in a different order because I think Texas is pretty high on that list. But um, I think for most lists, Alabama should be number one just because – and I wouldn't even – I don't even know if it's much of an annoying fan base as it is people cheering against them because they've been that good. You just kind of want to root for the underdogs every time they play Alabama. And so uh, I think that's where, I guess, the annoyance comes from between fan bases – um, but obviously, yeah, I, I understand the point where their fan base just thinks they're perfect and things like that. No one can touch them. So I think that's why a lot of people want them to be beat. But like I mentioned, the only thing I change in your top five is to have Texas a little bit higher. Yep. I mean, I, I get it. I understand it. And, you know, I can definitely see it. Uh, you know, I just wanted to break it up, you know, on a Monday where, yeah, we're getting ready for a game day, but I decided to write, let's, let's do something mm-hmm. fun. Let's do a top 10. So Maybe next week I'm going to do the top 10 uniforms for college football. And I'll just change it up. We'll do yeah, top that would 10 be fun. Week. I like uh, those you know, fun just, topics. Right, right. It's just a, it's a fun topic, you know, to get you engaged. But, all right, coming up next, Tammy, let's talk Urban Meyer. Let's we'll talk about why you work, why he won't get an uh, interview. Uh, let's, let's talk all about it since right now Urban Meyer to Texas seems to be the hot topic of the week. All right, Kevin, well, the hot topic of the week, Urban Meyer to Texas. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact they just lost two games. They lost to Oklahoma again. And then there was a bye week of nothing to talk about, right? So, Urban Meyer. I mean, we we heard it from Orange 24-7. Jeff Ketchum over at Orange Bloods was talking about it. I wrote about it just because everybody was talking about it. So, I was like, would this work? Uh, so first off, what are your initial thoughts on Urban Martin? Yeah, I actually think he would be a good hire just because we know Chris Del Conte likes to hire proven coaches. And I think he's the guy that jumps off of the page first, obviously due to his success at Ohio State. And actually, I like what Griffin uh, mentioned one of our colleagues at Longhorns Wire earlier today about how uh, they brought Urban Meyer in and he was very focused on one thing and that was beating Michigan. And I think Texas kind of needs that right now in terms of uh, comparisons with Texas and Oklahoma and that rivalry. And so I think a lot of fans can agree that they need a proven coach to come in and the list is very short in that department. So I understand why it's a hot topic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a short list. Um, definitely. And I think you're dead on when you, when you say that, you know, like the correlation between Ohio State and Texas, obviously Ohio State, their big thing is beating Michigan, which they've done consistently. 
I think every year that Urban Meyer was there, he defeated uh, Michigan. So obviously that's a big one. Uh, you bring up beating Oklahoma. That should be their top goal. Uh, right. Obviously, if you're beating Oklahoma every year, it's going to help you in recruiting. You're not. You're going to stop. Well, you hope you stop losing these guys to Oklahoma guys who you expect to come into Texas. And, and I think once you start beating Oklahoma consistently, I think you consistently beat everyone else too, because um, you have a better coach team. And that's right. that's my big thing right now is like I agree that Tom Herman's a good coach. But a good coach doesn't win championships. You need a great coach. Yeah, and I think Urban Meyer would have more disciplined teams, and I think that's Texas's biggest downfall right now. And obviously the player development uh, would improve in that aspect. And I think um, it's kind of, uh, I guess, a coincidence in the sense that Meyer's always talking about how good of a hire Chris Ash was for Texas. So you know he kind of likes the coordinators in place right now. Um, it's just a matter of – yeah, at least one of them. It's just a matter of when Herman's going to be out or not. So I think that's a bigger question. Yeah, no, and that that's that's a huge question. You know, if is he going to be out? Um, you know, but you know, and why would why would Urban Meyer work for Texas? I like the thing he just said. Uh, he's bringing a winning culture. The guy has won everywhere he's gone. He, right. he does not fail. Mm -hmm. uh, three national championships, two different spots. Uh, in the last 12 years. So, I mean, that's – there's not a whole lot of coaches out there that are going to win you three national championships in 12 years. Right. Uh, so, Urban Meyer, he does that. He brings that winning culture. I think you're right about discipline. Uh, one of the things when listening to Urban Meyer on the Big Game kickoff is he talked about players uh, and their – you know, he was talking about the different uh, celebrations on the side, the turnover chain, all the different things that they do on the side. Mm -hmm. And Urban Meyer, and, and this is kind of caught my attention when he said, because I would tell a guy, if you're going to celebrate, go big. Take your jersey off. Take your things off. He goes, because you're not going to step foot on my football field. You know, oh, yeah. he's all about, you know, he's all about act like you've been there. You know, I think. He you know, holds him accountable. Thing. Yeah, he holds him accountable. And, that, and another thing with Texas, I feel like Herman doesn't hold them accountable. I mean, even we heard in the press conference after the Oklahoma loss, we're going to start disciplining players for stupid penalties. What? Why weren't you doing that all along? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's it's those type of things that I think create a loser's mentality or a losing culture at Texas. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why they've lost five games a year or at least four games a year every year since Mac Brown. You know, it's, it's been that way. So I think that's – those are some of the things. And like you said, the development – Mm -hmm. creating NFL draft opportunities for these guys. Those are some of the reasons why. Yeah, and I, I think, think it, I think just his name alone would help or, I guess, assist with recruiting too because that's the one thing Herman's been done well at at Texas, and I don't think there'll be a drop-off at all. In fact, it could probably get better uh, just with Urban Meyer's name alone. But I think you also have to take into account, is he happy where he's at? Would Meyer even take the job if he was offered it? Uh, what about his family? What about his health? Uh, does he enjoy just being kind of like that analyst commentator role right now? Um, I'm sure that's much less stressful uh, than taking one of the primary head coaching uh, college football jobs. So those are, I guess, uh, bigger questions as well. Would he take the job if he was offered it? And obviously you have the question about, you know, the the health concerns. Uh, you know, he stepped away from Florida. He stepped away from Ohio State. Uh, there's, there's some off off the field concerns but if, if you're talking about winning football games that's the ultimate thing 
Um, so that's what I look at uh, as far as the off the field and the other questions. I'm glad I'm not an athletic director because I would not want to be making those decisions. But if I'm just talking about from a pure football standpoint, it makes too much sense. Right. Uh, you want to win. He's going to help you win. He's going to bring that winning culture. Here's the interesting part. You, you brought up Urban, or I'm sorry, you brought up Tom Herman for recruiting. So Rivals did an article where they talked about Urban Meyer's recruiting. You know what mm-hmm. his average class was between Florida and, I think, from Florida and Ohio State. What was his average class? In the country, let's say, um, I probably think he was around a two to five range, three to five range, maybe. Yeah, 3.4 was his average rank, ranking each year. So he's getting a top two to four class every wow. year. Uh, he has signed 35 five-star prospects. So I mean, he's getting the big guns in. And I honestly, and, and I was talking with Bill Harrison of Buckeyes Wire, and he told me this came in. It really like was like, whoa. Uh, he thinks they would be a powerhouse. Do you think oh, yeah. no Urban question. Meyer in Texas, instant powerhouse? Mm-hmm. Because that year that they hire him, they're probably competing for an SEC. So, I mean, those are some of the things that we're looking at. And, you know, I hate to talk so much about Urban Meyer while Tom Herman is still the head coach, but it just feels like if Texas isn't going to turn this around, if they lose on Saturday to Baylor, this conversation. Oh, I can't imagine. They cannot lose. But at the same time, I don't even know if Herman's job is safe um, from a future standpoint, regardless of how they do this year, just because it's the same familiar fail- failures each year that we've discussed. So um, there's no sign that any of that's improving in terms of the discipline and player development. So I think he's likely out regardless. It's just a matter of when uh, does he get a year or two? Does um, he leave after this year? I, I'm not sure. That's the bigger question, I think. But I do think uh, the way he's losing these games is unacceptable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the the offense stalling and, and having to come from behind each other game. I, I, I think that you're putting too much pressure on your offense if your defense isn't able to keep up. And, mm. and vice versa. If your offense can't score, you're putting too much pressure on your defense. So those are things that they've got to, to clean up. And, and like I said in my article, it's going to come down to can Tom Herman win six consecutive? He did it in 2018. He lost to Maryland to start the game, start the year. He won six straight. That was their best year under Tom Herman. He's going to have to do it again. It all starts on Saturday, and we'll find out if that game's even going to take place. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you head on over to Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. But for Cammie, I'm Patrick, and as always, keep it locked on. Hook them.